Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey, it's Molly McAleer, and you are listening to Season 4 of Mother May I Sleep With Podcast. Alright, one person who's not feeling queen size today is me. That was the show, Molly McAleer. You guys don't know this, we've been on a recording break we're back with Queen Size, starring Nikki Bonsky and my guest Christina Lopez. Hey! Don't like mock me with your head. Oh I no, just, I was like, like trying to be getting like in the little like sassy bump. Like I don't know, I was just so trying to get into a vibe. We were supposed to start like an hour and a half ago. I also am so tired today, but I missed my window to take my Vivans early this morning. And as someone who does not abuse my prescription drugs, as opposed to use them. Um, I couldn't do that today. I knew if I missed my window, then I'd be up till one in the morning. And Malls, she likes those Mark Wahlberg hours, okay? She's here to wake up really early. Yep. Get to bed early. We saw Booksmart last night. Yes. Which I actually wanted to see as an accompaniment, accompaniment, <laughs> accompaniment to this movie. Because I was like, this is a really drab high school Sort of like, we're different, we're going to celebrate our differences type movie. Yeah. But it was done, you know, like the way that these movies were done back when this movie came out. Yeah, it was very like, both centered on others, like telling the story of the outsiders. 2008, I myself was just like 23, 24 at the time. I was was graduating college that year. Yeah, and so I wanted to see Booksmart because that's a movie that's very of the now. Yeah. And I was like, this is also a movie about girls who are like different or like coming up in their own world, doing their own thing. March the Beatle and Drummer thrown into like sort of another next level crazy circumstance. And I was like, maybe we can do that as sort of a reference point for this as opposed to just, you know, sort of making them up as we go along or having a movie that was on the scale that's like, you know, mm, just okay. Yeah. I don't know if I would call Booksmart like an overall like five for me on the rating scale. Yeah. But I think like on the episodes where people are like, my favorite movie is Pineapple Express. Like the ones where people like really blow my mind. Yeah. No one's ever said that. But like, like, example. Damn, I got to come up. Okay, I'm going to start. I'm going to start. Well, no, I'm saying I think our movie should be Booksmart. Okay. Like that's our movie. Right, right, right. (laughs) Right, right, right. Yeah. But I think that's fair. You know, it is. Even if it's not a five, it's like in the realm. This world, it's a very nuanced version, updated version. No, I think it's like, it wasn't like groundbreaking it wasn't a groundbreaking movie right and like even the best like the less the least lifetimey movies are like it's like a step ahead of that you know what i mean it's like, like a step ahead of the least lifetimey movies. yeah the lifetime movies that are least lifetimey and kind of good like that seem like netflix romance rejects more so than like a lifetime lifetime movie I would Book say that, like, like also, that. we're not that age. So, like, yeah. probably for kids that age, this is, like, their bomb-ass, relatable teenage movie. 
Like I'm, I mean, I'm not going to speak for like, oh, if I wasn't, if I was a senior in high school, I'd like this because I'll never know what it's like to be a senior in high school right now. Yeah. But I would say that I'm sure for a lot of people, like this is their big summer movie. Whereas in 2008, you know, probably Queen Size was a lot of people. It was their summer movie. Right. No, the Queen Size was no one's summer movie. Yeah. In I mean, I was just talking in terms of like quality of like script and like. Yeah, it was pretty good. Like I mean, they yeah. they threw a lot of money at like interesting details in this. Music was one. They tried to do yeah, a lot of did. things that maybe sell this almost as a theatrical release. Mm. You know, like yeah. it. I think it was supposed to feel like, oh, this could have. Oh, this is like basically a movie. I think it was one of those movies that like Lifetime put money behind it. Like they really well, put yeah. money behind it. Like it wasn't necessarily a tentpole for them, but it was like a little. Oh, I think this was a big sell for them to oh, get yeah. in, like, the post-Sex in the City audience. Like, people looking for another spin on being a young, fabulous 20-something. And, like, Nikki Blonsky is a 45-year-old icon in this movie. She's, like, everyone in this movie is so not high school-aged. And we I say know. that often, like, with these movies. Obviously, people over 18 can work longer hours, blah, blah, blah. But when there's like multiple seniors with bald spots, like that's a conversation. Yeah, I and they were like so much taller and bigger than a lot of the like. I was like, this person's not a teenager. Their they body looked is too grizzled. Advanced. Like a lot of these people looked like they've been working in construction for yeah. ten years, yeah. like outside of high school. Like maybe they're twenty eight and have been working on concrete yeah. for like a long time. Life, oh, who was that guy that was in the hills that looked like he was way too old? Jason Waller. You look like way, yeah, Jason Waller. Yeah, you yeah. look like he was way older than like sixteen or whatever was. He? Yeah, <laughs> they all look like that guy. Yeah, he had like a young guy fury vibe, like at age twenty one. Yeah. <laughs> but he also was like a severe drug addict, and I wonder yeah. how much of that went hand in hand. That's like true. he did also look older and quote unquote like older and hunkier when he was on Laguna Beach. What mm. like like moms wanted him. Oh, yeah, actually, I think that was, I think that was, like, a thing. Oh. But, you know, Jason. (laughs) I think he started out with Jessica on Laguna, Kristen's best friend. Right. And then, you know, went to the heights he did. It's wild. (laughs) It's wild. And poor Jessica got left behind in Laguna Beach getting a DUI. Now she's a mother of, like, three or four, married to a former army guy. They're having a reunion season, right? They're having a whole new season of The Hills. Yeah, Yeah. they're having like... Misha Barton doesn't even apparently have like a speaking line in the trailer. (laughs) Which goes to say 2008 is back again. Yeah. And so maybe they'll do a... a, a, Like maybe she has a movie where her daughter is something. You're thinking like a queen-sized sequel reunion. Well, actually in reality it would just be like... If it was anything like The Hills, it would just be Nikki Blonsky coming back to when Homecoming, like, you know, 10 years later. It really wouldn't be that. I mean, The Hills is, like, so lateral. Like, these people just never left. It's sort of like, I'm feeling very disconnected from, I haven't seen even, like, The Hills preview. Like, I'm, like, eight episodes behind on Real Housewives, Vanderpump. I think I'm kind of over it. Like, I never thought I'd see the day where I've kind of moved on from... 
my staples. Southern Charm is still holding me tight, though. Okay. Who knows? By the time this episode airs, I could be on a completely different wavelength, a completely different place in my life. But today we're here to talk about Queen Size. Now, this is the second movie we've done. This is like probably the fifth or sixth eating disorder sort of like size mm-hmm. movie has come on to the show. We did Kate's Secret earlier this season with Sarah Thayer. We've done um, Starving in Suburbia. We've done Secret Between Friends. We've done um, Fat Like Me. <laughs> Iconic Fat Like Me. Um, <laughs> that was great. Was uh, that Kaylee Cole? Black Like Me. Ever heard of it? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's Kaylee Cole. Okay, yeah. Um, Great movie. So today, Queen Sized <laughs> is it's a an overweight girl. Maggie Baker is elected homecoming queen by the Mean Girls in High School. That's the IMDb notes. If you guys don't know who Nikki Blonsky is, she basically was. Um, she's from Hairspray. She was the girl that got cast into the iconic Ricky Lake role in Hairspray. Tracy Turnblad. Tracy Turnblad, and she was like a nationwide casting call moment thing happened for her. Like it was a big deal yeah. for her to be found, for her to be cast. Like if you think about it, it is it's a very difficult role to cast for what is typically like groomed to be Broadway musical theater. Like right. they don't typically choose a character actress for a lead. Yeah. Um. So like to get her involved in this was huge. It was like a national thing. It was like a gigantic movie and she was sensational in it. And mm-hmm. then um, she went right into queen size in 2008. She did a few other things along the way. She, she did, did a TV ABC show Family called, series. Yeah. Yeah. Huge. What it was called. And like, so like her weight has always been sort of her hook. Yeah. And it continues to sort of be, like, what she's known for is, like, the Tracy Turnblad thing is, like, what she's known for. She goes to, like, autograph expos, stuff like that. Yeah. And she's also, like, sort of iconic right now for her, like, hey, like, hey, Will Smith, it's me, Nikki Blonsky from Hairspray. She, like, tweets every celebrity (laughs) or every – she acts, like, still very in, like – as if anyone's going to like be like, oh, oh, my God, of course, Nikki Blonsky from Hairspray, which like they should. Yeah. But like also like Hollywood's fucked up and we know why that's not happening. Yes. Like we also don't know like what her deal is. She had like kind of an emotional breakdown on Instagram hmm. where I, I guess she was streaming this. live uh-huh. and some haters had made fun of her for reviewing a hotel room. In Virginia, very oh, highly. Oh, right, right, right. I remember this. Right, right, right. And she had made some comments about this, like, beautiful, like, you know, Marriott hotel room or whatever she was staying in. And, like, people were like, oh, my God, isn't that sad? Like, Nikki Bonsky, like, likes staying at the Radisson. Like, that's so sad. And, like, it was very endearing. Like, if anything, like, it was a lesson in, like, how to be a, a much more gracious person. I think it's, like, also... <laughs> People see earnestness as corny and it's like we should just let people appreciate it. Or like delusional or like, oh, what a fall from grace. Like, oh, she appreciates a free room put over her head. Like, what a fall from grace. Like, it's like, no, everyone, if you are not appreciative to be somewhere, to show up to a job where where hundreds of people are waiting. You have a a profession. Yes. Like, and like also parents that love and support her. Now, she also was involved in an altercation with an America's Next Top Model. Contestant at an airport. Hold on. I do want to go back to like the room at the Radisson. Oh. Like, you better believe, like, after this is going back to my Tampa situation, uh-huh. 
after the tense moment of realizing that my bag was missing. Does and anyone I- know what the Tampa situation is? Christina punished herself by like, what happened? You missed your flight and stayed in the my, motel. My bag at the hotel that I was in, in um, St. Petersburg, which is 45 minutes away from the Tampa Bay airport. So pathetic. And it's so, so I relatable. Real- I, I didn't, I didn't realize it until I made it to the Tampa Bay airport with like maybe an hour no, an hour and a half, two hours left to my flight. So it was going to take me 45 minutes to get back to the hotel to pick up my bag, then another 45 minutes to get back to the airport. And so I realized pretty quickly that I was going to need to reschedule my flight. And so I was heading back to the airport because I was like, oh, there's got to be another flight out to L.A. Like, surely. Yeah, from Tampa. Surely there's got to be another uh, flight out to this, L.A. Like the same night, right? Because it was like. It was the flight that was leaving at six. There had to be like a nine o'clock flight or something. Oh, Tampa right? International Airport. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> the no, busy skies of Tampa. There is no. There was no. I found out there was no flight out until the next morning, and so I had to stay at a Holiday Inn. Was it a Holiday Inn? No. But, no, it was a Motel Six. Was it? A, I can't remember. What By it was. the airport, it was, and you had friends that were all horrified. And this oh, is no, my it was a Howard Johnson. This it is was a hojo. Oh, it was a hojo. This was, is my problem with Christina's fucking story. Is that if you're gonna live this, don't repeat it. Like if you if you literally have chosen to do something that you know your friends would never let you do, then you live with that. Then you do Here's live with thing. that decision. I'm but also if someone, you say to your friends the next day, "Hey, I stayed in a hojo's." Like, um, yeah, like I say, of course, they're going to be upset and then they just feel helpless. And then there's nothing that anyone can do to retrospectively help you. And then this is coming from like friends who like, you know, what tell me all the time. That's like the number one critique is that I never tell you what's going on with me. So I was trying to be a better friend and sharing that. But it's like sharing it later is like, what what were you going to do? I couldn't do anything, but your friends in Tampa could, were that were there that you told them about it. They were like, Christina, yeah, but they were well, like I people that terrible. I had just met that week. Like, I know, but that's... then like, but then like, live with that. Like, at least text them and be like, "Yo, I got stuck here. I'm staying at a hojo." Like, I'll like you know, and they're like, "Oh, you should come up." Then at least you can go to sleep knowing, like, oh. Okay, they know the situation, but like when you felt like at least like Am I gonna admit this to people I just met that week? Like that was embarrassing. Well, you admitted it the next day. I admitted it because like <laughs> I somebody caught me at the airport. I was taking a plane with another person who had been there. Oh, I thought you were all, like, like one of oh. oh my god, I would have literally died with that secret. I would have died with it. Cause I would have been like I should have right. well I no. learned something today. That was very good. No, but what were like? What were we all saying with the Tampa incident that you started with? <laughs> you said, "Oh, I learned something with the Tampa incident," and I was like, "Explain I the Tampa lost incident." The, the thread of this conversation: Homecoming, was Nikki Blonsky. Oh, the ra- the hotel, the Radisson. Yeah, how you should be grateful. By the end of that, did experience, you feel I was grateful? grateful to have a bet? Yeah, I was super grateful. That's so, what like- I'm saying. And so, like Nikki Blonsky gets put up for some autograph signing thing, right? Yeah. She is like, I'm grateful. Like this, she's like, oh my god, you guys, it's beautiful. And she like opens her window, and it's like, you know, it's like a parking lot, and like, but there's some nice trees behind it. Yeah. And she's like, oh my god, and this TV, and it's like, you know, 
We don't know what her day might have been that day that she was just so grateful to like be in there. I don't know. I mean, also, I think it was a free hotel room. Yeah. And like they probably were like, yeah, like say thank you to the booking company. You know, yeah, maybe the other like cons that she's done, she hasn't had a free room. So a lot of people like shamed her about this. And she like went on to Instagram one night and was like, you know what, you guys? Like, I'm not mean like you. You may not like me, but at least I'm not like you. I'm not a hater. And like, it was, and her mom's in the background going, Nikki, Nikki, get, oh my God. Turns to her husband. She's on the internet. She's telling strangers (laughs) this. And like, it is the most, it's brutal. Like, I, like, look it up. It's definitely worth a watch. But I'm telling you, like, don't just put your cringe on. It's not cringe. Like, get ready for, like, a little bit of, like, it's going to tug at your heart a little bit. Ugh. So Nikki Blonsky's been through it <laughs> on top of the fact that, you know, who really knows what's going on there? I forget which American America's Next Top Model contestant was. Oh, right. That's was right. I remember that. that. fire around her. Like, there was something when she was on the season. Yeah. She had a temper. And then Nikki Blonsky, I guess, also had a temper. And the two of them got into a fight at the airport. Jeez. And I remember my takeaway being that it was Nikki Blonsky's fault. That, like, she and her mom came in with a lot of attitude. Mm. Which, retrospectively, you know, you put in the the Instagram fight on top of that. That layer of the parfait, you're like, maybe there was a little bit of rudeness. Sometimes you're... At the Miami International You can be interpreting things. Yeah, she might have just been interpreting things completely wrong. Yeah, or, or like, they could just be bitches. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, or that. Which, by the way, let's talk about this. Because this movie's all about... A real, real tricky character. I don't like Maggie. I know. I, 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 you texted me and I was like, can we save this? <laughs> like, well, I just said I think she's a cunt. And like that was like a that was a harsh pass at first. And I also will say that like. I did say teenage girls can be kind of that way. Yeah, but like I think like there's a point even in a movie where it's like it's all got to like be worth it somehow in the end and I feel like the only way that I was sort of like oh I understand her years of like damage like I understand like the damage she's putting everyone through and it's because of this one reason but you don't really find out till last 10 minutes why yeah like oh I guess I could see this being as big of a deal as it's been this whole time right um but Let's just get into it. So we open up on uh, Underclass Hero by Sum 41. <laughs> Is that That's what that blasting. was? I felt like you knew you. I, I felt like I knew you were going to know that. We're at a pep rally where a girl, she's straight up throwing flames, yeah. bitch. Okay. There's like, this is one of a very, very expensive and intricate prep rally. This is supposed to take place in South Carolina, which I guess is football country, right? It was filmed in Shreveport, Louisiana. Right. But it yeah. takes place in South Carolina, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, it was though filmed in Shreveport. That was one of like the number one trivia things. And yeah. I'm like, it's like goof. Like it was. And I'm like, that's not a goof. That's like a filming location. <laughs> yeah, somebody like, got a, somebody got a, a tax break. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, yeah. So it's like you know, you said it was your high school colors, right? Oh, so purple it and was, gold. It was. It was the mascot. So they're the yellow jackets, and that was the that was my high school mascot, and that's pretty much what the comparisons between my high school experience and whatever this movie was showing ends because I don't even know like what do you do at pep is it just like they just like cheer, cheer on the team what is we the were rally? like a lacrosse drama high school <laughs> like we did like hockey was like our bigger sport yeah like football wasn't huge at my school we did not have a football team 
my yeah. college didn't have a football team. Like football never factored into any part of my life. And so when I see it in American culture, it's just like so weird. It's like what uh, I don't know other people might feel about like watching cricket. Like yeah. it's just so like foreign. I didn't the like I went to a foreign. I went to a pretty big football college and I never like absorbed it. Yeah. But I enjoyed the culture. Yeah. And then like after college I got into like a lot of um, I got into like uh, Hard Knocks and a lot of other shows that surrounded football, like you know Friday Night Lights. I love yeah. and I love football movies, and so um, I sort of started to understand the sport that way. And now I have more of an appreciation for it. But high school football, in particular, is like a circus. Like yeah. this, in particular, looked very expensive, and it looked very like circus. Like I assume yeah. this must be football country because there's a full marching band. There's a cheerleader. There's a convertible that's been like has cheerleaders yeah. popped up all over it. That's not an expensive. It's team. like it's like the lifeblood of the entire town. Like uh, part of the economy relies on football season. Like Friday Night Lights, bitch. <laughs> yes, this is the homecoming game. I never understood that schedule, but let's open up on 58 seconds to three minutes and 31 seconds. This is where we're going to meet Maggie and set up the premise for this whole movie. Queen sized, starring Nikki Blonsky. I was never Miss Rah Rah School Spirit, so I'm the last girl you'd expect to see riding this float. I know what you're thinking. A fat high school homecoming queen? Homecoming's for the shiny popular people. I didn't fit in there. I didn't fit in anywhere. When my mom started dragging me on college tours my senior year, I didn't want to go. I thought college would be like high school, another place where I'm just the fat girl. I can see you right there, reading your book. We're really strong in the arts, too. That's why we're rated one of the top 100 public universities in the nation. Our students come from 14 different countries and over 30 states. I needed a change. What I got was so much more. And if you're following me this way, I'll take you to the library. was a movie shocking pretty girl gets pretty boy your college applications came great now all i need are good grades and tuition money we'll figure it out maggie what crawling under my bed nancy drew you want to talk about this 37 seconds that's how long it took you to call me fat So what that was at the end there is that her mom, played by Annie Potts, Annie Potts comes through sometimes as like a second mom, like an evil mom. 
sort of type. I, I psychologically, I found that fascinating. Right, I did too. But just so the audience knows, when there's like an Annie Potts, it's like got a little bit of like swag about her, a little bit of a Southern Belle moment. She's laying her Tennessee out. That's evil mom, and we'll be referring to her as evil mom and real mom. Yeah, just so you guys know, because it'll be mom and milf the same. It's the same actress, so same voice, right? Um, we should point out that the font here across the board is Curl's font. Ugh, it's so, it's so grating. And, like, just the standard-ass, like, MS purple. The other thing I want to say, like, the wipes on some of these, like, f- to move through scene to scene are very aggressive. This was edited in iMovie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it definitely was. Someone's, like, nephew was really trying it in iMovie. It almost is, like, there's memes in it. Like, there's a few (laughs) things that are, like, a couple of the shots they do, I'm like, fuck, that's, like, a meme, bitch. (laughs) Like, that is literally, it would fully pass on Vine as, like, a legit Vine. Um, So, (laughs) right away, like, we get into her being, like, only took, like, a couple minutes for you to call me fat. Like, two minutes and 30 seconds. What did she say? Like, okay. 37 seconds in. I feel like, like, I get the sentiment, like, I know being, like, sensitive, especially, like, when your mom is, like, younger and prettier than you, or, like, younger, (laughs) when your mom is, like, very youthful and pretty, and, like, you feel very uncomfortable in your body, you feel easily scrutinized, but, like, that was a lot, like, that was a lot of energy off of the simple thing of saying, like, you know, hey, I found out your hoarding stash of wrappers under your bed, like, that's actually a concerning sight, what her mom found. Like, I, I would think, like, maybe a more proactive parent with more resources would have even been like, hey, like, we have to have a serious talk about this. Like, you have to yeah. maybe talk to someone. Because what was going on there for everyone at home was there was a XXL pizza box filled with ding-dong and ho-ho wrappers and yeah. chip bags and that is honestly, like, as much of it's, like, LOL, like, that is a concerning sight. That's a lot. That's, like, it's it's a comedy amount. But, like, there is also a world in which that's, like, you know, I used to, like, hide snacks and stuff in my yeah. room. And, like, my mom had to have a talk with me about it. Like, because it definitely was, like, you know, but, like, when you come across that, like, this is also a family where the budget is tight. Yeah. And this girl's got 70 bucks worth of ho-hos under the bed. Yeah. I, I think, first of all, a lot to unpack. Like, I think the thing that she was agitated about was that she had just walked in the house and her mom was already confronting her about it. Like, let her unwind from her day and, like, get settled in and, like, relax for a second before you try to come at her with, like, a serious conversation like that. So, like, again, much like Nikki Belonsky in real life, we don't know what was going on earlier in her day that day. One thing I will say is that there's a, never a great time to bring something like that up. Yeah. And... Also, because it's a movie, like, she had to say it when she got in the door. Right. I understand that. <laughs> so, no, I understand like, that. But and I'm just I also saying, know like, it's, like, heightening for the character, right? Like, we like understand the- she's, like, pissed, right? But I'm also saying that what I, I wish Nikki Blonsky's character knew is that there's a world in which she gets home and there's fucking Jeff Van Vonderen from Intervention standing there ready yeah. to have a conversation about going to the center. Yeah. You know, for what is, you know, that's a pr- pretty serious... I mean, later on in the movie, she's going to unpack her stash. Yeah. Okay. And what we find is that that montage goes on as long as the homecoming getting ready montage. Yeah. It's just her finding snacks. Yeah. So, like, I want to, like, not lean too lightly on this because I feel like it is important to realize that, like, 
this character is in a state where she's really she's really in it like she's at the peak of a situation and like I understand the mom's plight I also understand hers and I'm almost looking at it from like an addict standpoint if you've got that much trash under your bed from like binge eating for the week yeah like, yeah, you're going to be defensive about that. Like, someone's taking your heroin away. Like, yeah. you know, there's, like, there is an element of that going. She is on the brink. Yeah, it's, like, uncomfortable brink. to actually see it all there for someone else to expose to expose it. Yeah. I mean, and I, uh, like, in the, larger, in the larger sense, like, weight is uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable to, like, point out to someone. Totally. it's not, like, drug use. You know what I mean? This is, like, someone's totally. physical attributes and you don't totally. know. It, like, that's what makes it really, really tricky and hard because it is something also deeply personal. And, like, I thought a lot – this movie made me think a lot about, like, having an overweight kid and, like, you know, how would you go about moderating that or would you go about moderating that versus, like, the kind of body critiques that I got in my own – like youth right um just based on the fact that i developed very early right and And i wish that the movie had sort of explored more of that from without leaning on the same thing they sort of did in fat like me where caroline ray kaylee cuoco's mom's character she had had diabetes and like it really bankrupted the family and she couldn't go to high school because she had diabetes and like what we're going to learn is that nikki blonsky's character is really lying in the balance as well because she is very, very close to getting diabetes, a disease we will find out killed her father. Yeah. Um, and she misses her father very much. It's a yeah. huge trigger. And we don't know at this point when he died, what the timeline is on that. But we do know that the death of her father is huge. There's a big hole in her heart and in her home. Yep. Um, and he was a big, he was a man on the larger s- scale of things as well. Yeah. As he as well died with, of diabetes. Like, there's a lot about how she doesn't look like her mother. And so some of that is also just like, you look like you're, you look like the, your dead parent. Mm-hmm. Like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> I look like my dead parent. <laughs> yeah. Not, but you know, not everybody skews that one way or the other right but it's like it's just crazy to think like oh man like she's 17 she shouldn't have to be worried about diabetes you know i wish that this movie had almost not had that because i think that people there's a variety of reasons that one canon would be overweight and diabetes is like not necessarily the answer for everyone yeah in fact like i think it's slightly more uncommon yeah than common yeah and i think that that's like not really it's like almost avoiding the issue it perpetuates like you're going for a body positive thing and it perpetuates that it's like unhealthy which you know there are people who can run marathons that don't have great heart health or whatever or something similar to that but yeah absolutely so we go to school the next day um i have to i don't know what happens high schools like trench warfare you just gotta hunker down till it's over. That's what my best friend Casey says. Hey, Maggie! Hey, three fumbles last weekend. We're raw talent out there. Oh, you're breaking my heart. Another day in paradise. For some girls, high school's a party given in their honor. Take Tara, cheerleader, class princess, three years running. Then there's Liz. And Camille, Tara's entourage. If you look closely, you can see their fangs. I seem to be their favorite target. Come on, Baker. Let's kick it up. Come on, let's go. Let's go. Kick it up, Baker. Let's go. 
Come on, go. Yeah, let's go, Lardas. <laughs> Good job, Maggie. Like I'd ever change in front of them. I just want to be invisible. Oh, I hate global warming. Look at you, all socially conscious. The extra humidity gives me the frizzies. <laughs> oh, great. Would you look at that? Relax, hair. You've been class princess last three years, no contest. You're a lock for senior queen. Oh, stop. There's a big jump between princess and queen. If you were any more perfect, you'd come shrink wrapped with a dream house. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's me. Shrink wrapped. Somebody's in here! So, she is a change in the stall versus in front of the rest of the girls kind of gal. I think that was... I didn't change in front of everyone else. I always thought that was like, like, what are you trying to prove? <laughs> like, there's stalls to go in. You know what I mean? Oh no, we didn't have stalls. I mean... Or like, at least a curtain or something you could like, get behind or a wall. Like, the people that like, really flauntily changed it. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what do you... Oh, like they were just like, hanging out or whatever? Yeah, like, what do you have to prove? We're in sixth grade. <laughs> like, cover your body. We. I never had any of that. I don't know. I never looked around long enough. I was like, deeply insecure about my own like, homosexual tendencies that I like, wouldn't popular- dare to look around like, to notice something like that. <laughs> The popular girls always, like, made a point of gathering at the midpoint, though, Mm -hmm. at my school, anyway. Much like this movie. And sort of, like, they commanded the room. Yeah. Like, it was less like, oh, are you looking at me? And more like, look at me. Yeah. You know? And which was always very odd to me. Like, I always was, like, very... I didn't want my body to be seen. I think it was, like, reserved and also just, like... I think, like, self-conscious, for sure, of, like, what yeah. I, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't feel like I looked like them. Meanwhile, I went to Olympic Spa two weeks ago um, <laughs> where you have to be, like, fully nude for, like, hours. And I hated it, but I also loved it. And <laughs> I realized that my body's fine. Like, when you literally are in a room with 200, like, random naked women, you're like, oh, like, if this was a BuzzFeed, like, put us in a line thing, yeah. like, I'd place. Like, I'd be fine. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> okay. I'd probably be, like, top 20%, which is really, like, what I'm aiming for in life. Like, to, I'd take top 30 to 40%. I <laughs> right. would feel, like, great with that. So that was, like, really illuminating. And I would say to anyone out there, if you're feeling self-conscious about your body, go to a fully nude spa <laughs> for six hours. There's nothing I hate more than being naked in front of other people. Did it anyway. It was great. <laughs> The one thing I will say is that, like, so we're introduced to the, like, little cool clique at school right off the top here. But the only, like, Tara, the girl who plays Tara looks like a Tara. That was the thing that I, like, yeah. logged in my notes. But I think she was only the one that was, like, really, like, hot girl attractive. They the were all were kind of, like, the same to me. They yeah. all kind of, like, get, had very same face, very same vibes. They were classic, like, Abercrombie girl. Yeah. You know, like any high school, like the girls that were sort of rich enough and pretty enough, like they somehow all like melted in the middle. Like if you weren't that pretty, but you were really wealthy, which is the exact case with Tara and her best friend. Is it Lindsay? Yeah, I never dealt with that dynamic. Maybe it's like a smaller town situation, but we didn't have people of like extreme wealth. Oh, yeah. Like, like we didn't have like the town, rich kids like, full of people. There was definitely kids that 
I mean, the whole school was pretty, the whole town was like, like right. well off. Like I was not from that. My mom was like a cleaning lady. Definitely not of that world. Probably much closer to Maggie's situation in this town than anything. Yeah. Truly single mom, like, you know, whatever. But there was definitely like a upper third of society right. in town. And right. like you could be like a less attractive girl on the lower part of that top third. And like the, the richest girl would still probably be like your peer just because she had more money right like oh so-and-so's hot but like so-and-so's dad has the boat so we're gonna hang out with her yeah we're there for the hotter friends so it's that kind of like socioeconomic dynamic that plays out a lot in these high school movies that i've never been able to relate to yeah i mean i've never fucking been on a cheerleading team either but like i kind of get the. i mean i don't relate to it but like it's all none of this stuff is really real like i don't i don't relate to like anything (laughs) you know what I mean yeah I don't think there's anything I've ever been like yes that's me Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. what's like the closest thing for you that you're like yeah that's my high school dangerous minds no I'm just kidding (laughs) what if I was serious I mean that would be fine no um yeah it was probably like some sort of New York City inner school like situation like there was a movie called Sunset Park about a high school in Sunset Park, but there was no high school in Sunset Park at the time of the movie Sunset Park was filmed. Yeah. I mean, I think when I say like, oh, I quote unquote relate to that, I just mean I went to high school and like the the themes are the same in the books from fucking John Steinbeck to now. Right. You know, it's that yeah. time of life. And I think that like the popular thing for movies is to go with that sort of like junior collegiate feeling idea of like, there's a social structure and a hierarchy and sports and like all these things. Like I didn't go to a college that had Greek, but like when I see it in a movie, I'm kind of like, yeah, I can, I get that. Like I've been around like people engaged by clubs. No, I mean, I kind of, I can get the approximation of it. It's just hard for me to root it in reality because that wasn't a part of my lived experience. Yeah. I even like the clicks, the clickiness of it all. Like, like, the school that I went to, we didn't really have cliques. You just, everybody kind of meshed together. Right. Yeah, like I, we think, didn't have I don't think it's, like, I think like that. that, like, it's always, I mean, I don't know. I would love if someone out there, if, like, a typical high school movies, high school is, like, your lived experience. I just think it's, like, they're, it's, like, a cartoon. Mm. You know? I don't, it's, like, John Hughes. Like, it's, like, that's not real either. It's probably a lot closer, though. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Um, this is post Mean Girls too, right? Yeah. So there's that, mean like, because there is a heavy Regina George, and like the meanness in this is really mean. Yeah. Like, yeah, they were like oinking at her. They called her lardass. Like, there that's are things harsh. that really stick differently, especially when like the evil mom comes out. That it's like kind of really hard to hear parts of it. I want. There were parts of it where I was wondering if they were filming some of her dialogue with Nikki Blonsky there in the scene because it was so harsh that like, I, like I was just like, if she had, to, she probably did have to be there for that, but that's like, it's rough. It, it comes up way, way, way later. I'll point it out. I, I'll point it out. I know I, there's this, there was the scene with the mom that happened that I, there's a few things that I'm like, I'm shocked that she had to do that. There's also a weird moment where the coach says, good job, Nikki. <laughs> he like forgets that she's an actress yeah and so that was a little bit that kind of like threw me because i was like oh that must really feel real for her then yeah 
Um, so they go, Casey and, um, Casey's a great best friend, by the way. They go and pick up her younger brother, Will. Um, Maggie is a younger brother who's sort of a pipsqueak. He's skating. <laughs> he such a pipsqueak. He's That's skating in a fucking ravine when they come to pick them up. And he's like 10 years old. I'm like, why do yeah. you have this child like in a fucking gutter? It's so strange to me that like, I know that they're I really latchkey for him. kids. Yeah. We like come up on like, oh, they're latchkey. Like when they get home, like Casey drops them off. They get home. Maggie, like, right away sort of, like, goes to do her own thing. The younger brother is, like, you know, asking about snacks, what's for dinner. We sort of figure out that they feed themselves. And he turns on his video games ready to play. Um, And it really painted a picture of me where I was like, oof. Yeah, that actually, I was like, that felt familiar. Like, especially a lot of my friends and I, like, we would just go home after school and, like, do our own thing. Like, we had to, you know, which I think was normal. And I, like, kind of, like, got annoyed at her character, Maggie's character a couple times. Because she's like, oh, like, I really don't want to, like, tired of, like, babysitting. And it's like bitch like you are not entitled to a night off yeah like you just help around the house like I basically was like my mom's secretary after school like I would be taking her calls like doing her appointments for her for her work and everything else like that was just my job like I just had to be there to do that to answer the phone and to like do everything else that was like my thing and I I know that at a certain point there is like okay like you know, but it's not like CPS was going to get called on this mom. Why is she like pushing back on her? Mom's really tired, though, when she gets home and she's like, oh, my God. She's like, Sarah invited me to see the new Clooney tonight. Could you just do this one more night? <laughs> and I wanted I know I don't know if the movie was trying to make us think like, oh, this mom prioritizes anything, but or like prioritizes herself above her kids. But I was like, good go see a movie like you work hard like absolutely your kid like your two kids whose lives you pay for they can sit their ass at home like go do whatever you need to do Annie Potts yeah um but again then again especially at this point I really do not like Maggie I just think also like this entire family is miscommunicating with each other and well given what we know at the end like in particular it's like oh this is like they should all be in major major counseling yeah yeah for sure so this I wrote is what happens when you don't deal with your problems, go to therapy, folks. Like, right. It's like very toxic. It's you just end up spewing things at each other. So her mom does tell her that she can go out another night this week. And as soon as her mom goes inside, evil mom pops up on the yep. porch swing right behind her. And she's sort of like elegantly laid back on this like pillow in her evening gown. And the mom is always dressed sort of in this like still state from whatever that photo was taken. What it looks like some sort of like corporate like ga- like like ball moment or something like some sort of wherever people go in evening wear in their forties yeah. to get formal photos. It's taken. like real evening wear too. Yeah. yeah. And like, she pops up and she goes as if you ever have anywhere to go. And she like Oof. sort of chuckles to herself and it's very Lucille Bluth. Like it's very dry, like cunty. Like I guess it is like, it's going to get you, especially if you're susceptible to that, to the audience, it feels very soft. And then the f- more this evil mom character goes, the more you're like, she's fucking cruel. Yeah. Um, and I wrote in my notes, I've seen this movie a few times, but I have no memory of her mother being this cruel of a person. That Nikki has had to internalize her genuine concern about her secret binge eating as her mom being this like evil villain. That's like, interesting. Because something like the reason why this evil mom character exists is because that is what she has internalized this as. Is like she like the worst parts of her exist in this evil mom. 
And I think it's a critique that like she can't handle. And obviously we know it's a part of her voice speaking to herself too. Yeah. But it's like this demented personality has broken off like almost as a coping mechanism Mm-hmm. to fuel the self-hatred. Yeah, I, I, I did find it interesting that it was like her projection of her self-hatred was her was through her mother. Who, by the way, like, I, you would think that they have a lifelong struggle of this mom continuously verbally abusing and putting this girl down in order for this to have manifested like this to her. Yeah. Unless, you know, there's uh, things are very, very wrong with her. You know what I mean? Like, she really needs, obviously, to be nurtured, but I'm not getting vibes from Annie Potts that she, des- it, like, de- like deserves to be on the end of this. And I will say they're also not painting Maggie to be particularly sympathetic enough. Like, I don't, I don't care. I'm like, I'm like, you know what, girl? You need to fucking talk to Jesus. Like, you need to really, like check out like the school counselor or something if yeah you, like i just i because uh, it was like vitriol like she's not likable and that sucks because yeah. you want to like the you want to like the fat girl in queen size like you really want to root for her that's the whole point of this movie is you're like yeah girl you fucking get it but she's difficult but not yeah, you difficult don't, you don't in a way where i'm her. like yeah like god take me on this complicated emotional journey with this character it's like she's just petulant and crazy yeah it's kind of like maybe if they had brought the dad thing out sooner that would have given you more one like, I, that one 100 would have fixed everything yeah if they had dropped like one line sort of like giving us a timeline giving us any sort of like point of reference other than this girl is just a really bitchy teenager and also that like she if she had actually broke down about it or some like some sort of emotional like reckoning there was none of that either right and so it's it's hard to get behind her and root for her if she is just this kind of like what's going on i mean like i think the thing is that they're thinking that like oh if we get enough people to be mean to her about her weight you'll automatically feel uh for her plight but, like, there's a lot of other things going on that just doesn't gel, I don't know, to, like, make me want to root for this character. Like, it just sounds like she's in a shitty situation, but she's also reacting to it not great. A character who's, like, unexplainably angry is very, very hard to get behind. Yeah. You know? Like, you need to believe that there's something greater. And I feel like we're already... I mean, what is presented is already pretty sad. Like, these are sad facts. Like, she is beat up and bullied at high school. She hates herself. Her dad died. She's a latchkey kid. You know, um, whatever. She's picking, she's picking up some of the responsibility around the house that her, you know, for her missing parents. It's or all there. Like, why could they just not give us the other thing, which is, like, she's mad because of this. Like, I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, missed opportunity to really blow our minds here today. Um, I had to, I have to play this, uh, scene here because I started to laugh like out loud when it started to play. It's, uh, 657 to 828. Hello. Meet me at the coffee nut. I need sleep. P.S. So do you. I can't breathe here. Can we just do something? This weekend. You can hold out. Fine. Whatever. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye. I stay. 
through that English thing last night? Yeah, two pages out of 46. Hey, Case. Ryan's having sort of a pre-homecoming party tonight. Just go for it. So, are you, like, free? I'm down if you're down. My mom's got to work late tonight. But you're still down, right? Don't worry, Devin. She'll see you tonight. Too bad you have to babysit. Yeah, you go. There'll be plenty more parties. I'll catch you at the next one. Hmm. So, let's establish. What, do you want to say something? I'm so mad. The guy that was like, oh, I don't want it. Like, the, the best friend. Yeah. The best friend's boyfriend's friend that, like, is basically the wingman and would have to... I'm taking his interpretation of, of thinking that he would have to take one for the team. He looks like like a knockoff, like not an, a backstreet boy, but like if a backstreet a knockoff backstreet boy had a baby with a knockoff Blink One Eighty Two. <laughs> What's the show where someone's I'm daughter sure. dated a guy named Rod? <laughs> where it was like, hey, it's Rod, and it was like it like literally wasn't home improvement because like those were sons. <laughs> But, like, it's, like, hey, it's Rod. And, like, <laughs> he literally is Rod. And my, like, does that, it's, like, literally, oh, it was on 7th Heaven. <laughs> I would have never, I would have never got it. Because, like, I think I saw, like, Our one season audience of this is, show. like, oh, my God, it's so sad how much they, <laughs> who dated Rod? Lucy. <laughs> Dated Rod, he had a mustache. Hey, it's Rod. <laughs> and they like actually liked Rod, you know? And like one time a joint came into the house, but it wasn't Rod's. It was actually the oldest brother. Yeah, I don't know, whatever. Barry Watson, I think, took the heat, but it was Simon's joint. I don't know. Simon Bart, hold it. I don't know. Listen. Uh, good show. So he, the hey, stats Rod. on this whole thing here is that Casey is like cute. She's like the cute, like, blonde girl she's like you know skinny athletic sort of like a hippie vibe and she's best friends with maggie she definitely like works for the school paper or something like that she has that kind of energy like that kind of peppy like i'm gonna get it done energy she's good cheerleader type very type a but also relaxed at the same time like she doesn't need to be in the spotlight but she is like you know definitely the one being asked on dates as we heard in this scene while maggie is not and it's interesting that like She's not only being, like, pursued by someone who's popular, but that she's interested in that is, like, an interesting kind of, like, like, kind of, like, okay, high school is a gray area sort of thing. Like, most movies don't necessarily have that. Yeah. Um, But we also should note that Maggie's not much of a student. She does not really care about school. So, like, the second that this, like, homecoming thing comes into the picture, like, any schoolwork that she's already getting done, it's going to kind of slow down. Which is crazy because, like, usually it's, like, if they're not that thing, then they're the other. They're, like, either – if they're not, like, a popular person or whatever, then they're, like, a a super nerd. They're at least good at school. Oh, a lot of people are really mediocre in real life. No, no, no. I know that. But, I mean, like, typically in a movie, it's, like, oh, because she's the book nerd and that's how she, like – yeah, it's that interesting kind of that they, like, also made her mediocre in yeah. addition to everything else. Yeah, she's not a good student, and she also is just, like, and she has, I don't know, maybe her It does speak great. down to the audience in a way, though, that this girl is, like, doesn't really have anything going for her, except she's, like, the big girl that could, you know? Like, yeah. she just doesn't give up, and it's, like, that's it, though. Like, is she going to college next year? Like, yeah. 
she's like not even really motivated about it. Like that's the thing I also found perplexing is that she's not excited at the thought of a new start somewhere when nobody knows her right and like when we find out how long it is her father has been dead for at the end of this movie like it'll make a it makes a lot more sense it all makes a lot more sense but we've been denied this information right. so you will have to be denied as well i do have a question for you and i will admit this this has happened to me i have been that friend that the guy who's their friend has been like mm-hmm. to have you ever been like has, has yeah been definitely yeah. in high school yeah for sure and probably in college for sure yeah but definitely in high school yeah um doesn't feel good did your friends who weren't the girls like stick up for you or anything like that or like um, was it just like like there the guy was nothing really to stick up for yeah like I mean point taken do you know what I mean no one wants to be someone that they're not wanted right and like if it's like a date thing you know what I mean typically they wouldn't drop the guy for having a shitty friend no Mm -hmm. no I mean like maybe in theory but I mean it would more be like on the guy to go to his friend and be like dude stop being a fucking dick you're fucking cock blocking me like that guy doesn't care that his bro is like kind of dissing like her overweight friend no, but I'm saying her friend her friend should care. Casey. Right. And Casey yeah. does care, but right. like the but Dev uh, like, you know, she also was like good for Casey. Like she shouldn't <laughs> yeah. like have to take take a knee in every area of her life. Like she shouldn't have to sit down. Yeah. Cause like, oh well like I can only go as far as Maggie wants me to in life. Like No, but I mean like if someone was seeing like treat your friend shitty you'd be like don't fucking do that around my friend you'd be lucky to have her what the fuck is wrong with you right but i also think that like this is the high school part where it's like people are just not that respectable like high school people are miserable and (laughs) insecure and i had for a couple friends stick up for me like that i mean i just yeah i think in this in this circumstance it would probably be going to the guy being like yo don't make my friend feel shitty like, yeah. that's fucked up. Yeah. And then I'd be like, tell your friend to, like, not be rude to my friend. Yeah. Like, that's probably how I would handle it. Yeah. I wouldn't want to make my friend feel, like, worse about something that she already knows. Like, oh, I'm socially disadvantaged here. Yeah. You know? It's tough. I like the way that Casey handles herself, though. And, like, in, yeah. in life, like, especially in small places like high school, like, romantic connection is going to override you know, anything mm-hmm. else. Like, you yeah. can't stop two horny high school students from hanging out together, and I think Maggie knows that. Yeah. You know? So, binge eating the big girls don't cry is pretty iconic, I will say. Yeah, I, I was like, that. okay, budget, a Fergie song? Like, yeah. in 2008, that was peak Fergie. Yeah. And, yeah, there's a lot in here. So, when she gets home, she's in a bad mood. Her mom says um, she left her uh, application for South Carolina on the counter um, for her. She's like... I also signed you up uh, for yoga at Y on the Saturdays. I thought it would be good for us to do together, which, you know, uh, look, it doesn't feel good when someone says something like that to you, but Nikki's basically just like, fuck off. Like, she's (laughs) like, get out of here. Um, She tells her um, that there are some healthy dinner options there for her and have a good night. And, you know, I will tell you this. As someone who lived under my mother's roof and she fucking controlled everything that went into my body every day of my life that I didn't pay for. Yeah. Um, that's how we ate. We ate healthy. And it sucked. Um, I don't, like, if she had said, like, I put out wings and pizza for Will and you can have a, like, boiled chicken breast. That's one thing. I know it takes a hit, too, but, like, She's fucking providing nutritional value for her kids. Like, 
And she's supposed to be like, oh, I'm, I'm going to work for the night, so I fucking picked up a bucket of chicken. <laughs> like, no, she put out some fucking healthy meals for you, you dumb bitch. Eat the meal. <laughs> or take your fucking, walk down to the gas station and buy a hot dog, like a hot dog with your own money. Get a Hot Pocket. Do whatever it is you do. But like, don't be a cunt to your fucking single mom. Like, Jesus. <laughs> Did you have that perspective when you were a teen? Like- um, I definitely wasn't like, I definitely never felt put out by what wasn't in my home. Yeah. Like if I had, like I always worked. So when I was her age, I had money because I had been working since I was 12. So right. like I would save my money. Um, and I would have, I would have had money to pay for my brother to have a babysitter, to be honest. That's another thing is that in a little bitch, she's going to fucking steal money <laughs> from her mom's purse to hire a babysitter, which this is, doesn't even tell her mom that the babysitter was she planning to come home before the baby. The plan like, is sh- so short sighted. Like, I literally do not know how she thought this could possibly work. <laughs> like, because, like, your mom's coming home to the anyway. So <laughs> she um, calls and um, orders a Hawaiian pizza as soon as her mom leaves. She also um, is talking to Casey on the phone while she's doing laundry. Her brother is, like, kicking a soccer ball inside the house. Oh, my God. That drove me fucking crazy. Which is just, like, now I feel like you guys are just fucking feral children. Yeah, I know. Like, they're just fucking animals. It's just bizarre. Kicking a soccer ball against, like, the, the molding in a house, like, against the floorboards, like... He was kicking it, yeah, against the, like, railing on the, on yeah. the stairs. Like, yeah. what if you had knocked out... Like pegs of the, what is he doing? What were you doing, kid? He took out his sister's face this though, is how I know and that that's he's, when like, she snapped. When you know he's what the brothers ignored because he just oh, has like, no, the he's liberty like, to completely do that. I mean, like he literally like what he had to do to get attention from his sister, who's his sole caretaker, from what I can tell, <laughs> was literally hit her in the face with a soccer ball. By the way, this girl is constantly doing laundry. I need to know, <laughs> know what the right? laundry output what is, is in this house. On? I mean, I don't know where her mom works. We never really figured it out, but like, unless she's like literally like counting like. Like walking. Oh, she's a social to- worker. Okay, that's so right. I was like, she must be walking a lot. Like yeah. I was like, she's got to be counting a lot of like steps every day. Yeah, that's a lot of laundry in that house. Also, for, like a family of non-mobile people. <laughs> but like the fact when that came out that she was a social worker because it comes out later in the movie, I was just like, this woman who lost her husband and having to deal with the weight of having a teenage daughter and a son. The weight, that- nice, yeah. Christina. Oh, nice. Sorry. Nice. Wow. Uh, Trigger warning. I'm sorry. What the fuck, Christina? (laughs) The stress of having a teenage daughter like that woman is and having that kid. And she's also doing like social work. That's like a heavy emotional. Like, no, heavy. Sorry. Nice. Wow, Christina. (laughs) Fuck. I'm sorry, guys. That's a lot to Mm. carry. Mm. And. Like, no wonder she's emotionally spent by the time she gets home. Yeah. I know. <laughs> totally ruined my point. Thank you. No, I didn't. I didn't. Did. No, your point was heard. It was heard. Was it? She, like, literally... It's not a great job. Also, this dad left them with nothing. Like... Yeah. Like, <laughs> literally, like, they are so broke. I know that, like, probably, like, didn't have life insurance or whatever, 
But he sure left her with a real burden. Yeah, these two were there kids. no assets to liquidate. Like, I don't is think there so. no like? Is there? Do you? Does anyone of a family relative that can step in give her a hand? No, and I also like she's got mortgages out the ass <laughs> on a social worker income. Like that's what I'm honestly, saying. Yeah. Why isn't Nikki Blonsky's character working? Like it sucks. It's a shitty situation, but like. It sounds terrible to say, but her mom would probably make more money, like, working at, like, a bar or, like, a, yeah. at a diner. That's the thing. And that's the other thing is, like, if she's not working, at least be doing well at school. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm telling you, Maggie's a fucking loser. <laughs> so um, she decides to go out. She hires this babysitter named Christy. As Christy's running in... Um, She's like, hey, can I invite my boyfriend over? And she's like, yeah, whatever. And I was like, you don't man, know if this man is a molester? What are you doing? Like, nobody cares about this son. Like, barely registers, like, what's happening. Like, I, I also, like, am dying to know what the, like, cost of hiring Christy was. Because I assume it was. Oh, yeah. I thought about that, too. Probably like, six. I mean, at least six, seven bucks an hour. Like, minimum. How do you, how old do you think Christy was? Probably, like, 17. Okay. Like, not that old. Yeah. Um, because, like, the mom was surprised that she had a boyfriend there when, later on. But um, Maneater by Nelly. second base. Mm-hmm. Maneater by Nelly Furtado is playing. Uh, another, like, high. I know. I wrote, Nelly Furtado, the budget. Yeah. They really, like, sank some serious coin into, like, this music budget. Um, they really wanted to make this feel like a movie. Like, I think they really, they really were like, this was an event. I do remember that about this movie was that like Lifetime was really amped on this being like, hopefully a draw for younger audiences. I think at the same time, ABC Family was starting to pop off with bigger and better shows. Yeah. No pun intended. (laughs) So, um, yeah. But anyway, they walk into the party um, there's like 200 kids there. Someone like this guy is on the turntables. The guy scratching on the turntables is going nuts. Like I have, if if that was adequate, like or if that was accurate, how much he was um, scratching, like that would be the most chopped and screwed ass party. Yeah. <laughs> like in the entire, it would would have been terrible. Actually, that's how much he was going crazy on the turntables. Let's play 11:36 to 12:31, right when they first get there, and the popular girls see them. What's she doing here? Aren't you like her girl gone wild audition? <laughs> Let me play you that song I was telling you about. Okay. Sorry. So are you enjoying the festivities, Baker? Let's not pretend like we like each other, okay? <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. It's my mom's house. Take it easy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He has, like, backstreet hair and a Blink-182 body. Oh, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, I see that. Oh, the thing that I noted right away was like there was a girl, Liz, I think, going around the party taking selfies. But like because this was pre front facing cameras, it was like a literal like a digital camera that she took and you had to check after. She's got that little Canon life, (laughs) that Canon D. What was it? Yeah, she's got that. Oh, my gosh. Um, And like at first it was like so much easier now. This is distracting, and it does actually, like, come up later, like, why she has this camera at the party. But, like, in reality, this is how we walked around. Yeah. Like, just... 
having that's a digital what you did. camera. And like, it was literally like we were like aliens, like experiencing cameras for the first time. Cause we were like, Hey, let's take a picture. Like everywhere you went, you were like taking pictures. Oh wait, let like, me see. Let me see. Let me see. Yeah. You were excited to have a fucking camera. Like you were like, <laughs> Oh fuck. I can document something without going to CVS and waiting for a week. <laughs> so no, no, finally, I know I have good photos or not. Like, I will say the other thing about Maggie, too, is that, like, this guy... People were still finding their angles. It took a little longer. Like, now, I feel like everybody now knows what their pose is to look like. They maximize their pose situation. It was a very, like... uh. (laughs) Ugh. Yeah, it was a time of a lot of discovery. The other note that I had for this entrance was that um, her friend's wearing a turtleneck to a party. Yeah. I just thought that was weird. I think they're doing like the casual, you know, we don't we don't have to front. It's Casey. I'm natural, baby. I wanna hear <laughs> I want you to play me the song you told me about. I also was like chunky sweaters were it in in two thousand eight? Like bulky chunky sweaters? Was that I think always. Yeah. I think they always have a place. Yeah. You know? Um it's fall. But I will say that Is that when homecoming usually takes place in I have no idea, but I think so. Um which is weird because like it doesn't make sense with the timeline of this movie, but whatever. I think that the way that, like, this guy... I know this guy was, like, a just a dick to her, but, like... Yeah. I kind of wanted Maggie to be a little bit more winning, like, because like it's like a little like when they go low, she went lower. Like she was like, "Let's not pretend we like each other." It's just be like, you don't "Cool, have to do this. yeah." Just be like, "Don't even say that." Like, just do it. Like, just be like, "Cool, cool." Maybe you'll find some common ground. Like, no need to scrap off site. Like, you guys are like at someone's party. Also, like, what was Maggie there to do really at that party? She had that? no purpose. And like per her plan hours earlier, I know Casey was like, "You have to come with me," but like. She had nothing to do there. She always knew this going in. Now she's like telling the one person who's waiting to talk to her to fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) This is not like a winning attitude in life, Maggie. So this is why you find yourself alone. So she's dancing alone by herself while her friend like gets snatched by this guy. I have a note. I love to watch white people dance in movies. I know. (laughs) This is a little bit cruel to the actors too because usually, especially when there's dialogue in the background scenes, like the people dancing are not dancing. They're just dancing. They're just dancing. Yeah. And so it's like never guaranteed that the track that's playing in the background is going to match up. And so everyone always looks out of sync. On like a big set, sometimes they'll give you like a like a metronome type thing, you know, mm-hmm. like that. So you'll have an idea of the rhythm or whatever, but yeah, no, they had no idea they were going to get man eater when this was shot. <laughs> um, so she finds herself at the snack table, of course, not after long. And, um, she's alone, like pretty like confidently going in on this snack table, which I will just say that like any time in my life that I felt uncomfortable in my body, the last thing you would catch me do in a room full of people is like eat in front of them, eat the buffet. And like whoever set out this buffet at this party, by the way, this is like, looks like what my mom does for like a family summer barbecue. These are like 18 year olds who have planned out booze, like snacks, yeah. like within an inch of their life. I'm like, sure there was like a security, security, charcuterie board. Yeah. Like where does the money come from at these parties? I know that this is like a rich town, I guess, but it's very interesting. So I know Tara's rich. Mm hmm. 
Um, yeah, Tara's rich. No, not Tara. What's her friend? The blonde Liz? one. Liz. Liz is uh, rich. No, Tara is is the blonde one. Sorry. The one that we don't like, Liz, is is the rich one. Oh, okay. She's the one who's like, we're going to my aunt's lake house. Yeah, I thought Tara was also, also rich, but go ahead. I don't know. Who knows? They're all terrible. So <laughs> while she's snacking, Liz calls over to her and is like, Maggie, say extra cheese. And she drops the salsa down her blouse. So this moment of her dropping her chip on her blouse and her salsa all over herself is captured perfectly. I will have to say, good shot, yeah, Liz. You caught the moment. You cut the exact moment. So she engineered that moment. She's in the kitchen mopping off her top, and a cute guy comes in speaking Spanish. Let's play <laughs> 317 to 1458. Do you even know this guy's name? <laughs> I called him Little Poppy. Like, he doesn't have a name. Like, it's like very stereotypical, like, like Latino lover. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's like Jorge or something like that. It's this whole role is very questionable for me. I know. He's not to me. He's into speaking Spanish with me. Ask him the homecoming dance. And scare off the only guy that actually talks to me. I'll pass. It's a margarita, not a missile crisis. I'm not mad. Okay, I just want to get this thing out before it sets. Okay. Oh. You a klutz like me? No. My glass was just hungry. <laughs> That's funny. Mind if I use it? Go ahead. Oh. Well, that's just going to have to work for now. I'll see you later. Nobody's that happy all the time. It's like she's practicing her smile for the homecoming float. Homecoming queen is coded in her DNA. Yeah. It'd be nice if some social mid-level one, though. A candidate of the people. A social nobody like me. It'd be awesome. I get to wear a pretty crown and a pretty dress, but that'd be about the same time Britney Spears picks up a Nobel Prize. <laughs> Cruel joke. Yeah, like, it's okay to make fun of Britney. This was, like, like a, in the a middle year of her, after her. No, this is, like, in the middle of it. Yeah. I yeah. Okay. It's 2008. It was probably, well, her breakdown was 2008. This was probably filmed in, like, 2006 or seven. Like, it just is, like, either way, it, they just found a, a, a different type of woman to shit on. Yeah. You know, that's all it is. Yeah. It's, like, whether Britney Spears is mentally ill or not, you could say the same joke about, insert pop star here, it's still fucked up. Um... So our idea is born. Um, very Shakespearean how this all happens. Um, Liz overhears this plan, this like joke, and you know that's obviously going to set things in motion from there. But she has come home now after this party um, to a dark house. I don't know how she thinks she's going to sneak in, how this is going to play out <laughs> for her from here, because um, her mom did have to come home. Yeah. I don't think she got further than I'm calling Christy to t- take care of whatever the younger brother's name is. I mean, she also is pretty, like, defiant, like, about this whole thing when her mom, like, so she sneaks in and her mom's like, so, uh, would you like to explain to me why I came home to Christy's boyfriend sliding into second base? And um, she goes, maybe I should pay her double. I mean, Baseball like, puns. it was very earnest the way she said it. She's like, maybe I should pay her double. It was very, like, she wasn't trying to be, like, sassy. It just was, like... I don't think you get it. Like, what did, What was your plan? Again, what was your plan here? Yeah. So um, Maggie tells her mom that she took her allowance from her mom's stash, and that last time she checked, Will was her brother, not her son. Kind of like a cunty thing to say, yeah. again, considering, you know, CPS hasn't been called, but I feel like I used to hear that get thrown around. Like, that was something that I people said in high school to their parents when yeah. they felt 
saddled with their sibling a little bit too much. Um, the mom says that she knows she had a hard time after her dad died, but this is too much. Maggie is a smart ass and cuts her off. And that's when the mom's like, you know what? You're <laughs> fucking grounded for two weeks. Like, it's a very, like, quick escala- escalation. And, like, the mom was, like, willing to work with her. Yeah. And, like, again, like, you just don't negotiate with terrorists because, like, her daughter, like, really, like, slaps that hand away. Mom knows, okay? You're fucking grounded, bitch. Two yeah. weeks. Yeah, it's too much. It's too much. It And it's also just, like, now you start to see a little bit more of the dynamic of, like, oh, Maggie's always coming in this hot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, no, by the, like, fifth time that, like, they're, you know, the mom is being totally reasonable um, for a stressed-out single mom. So the popular kids have sort of, like, a conference after the party. Liz is telling the guys about how, um, you know, Maggie was delusional and she was talking about how she wanted to be a homecoming queen. And, like, wouldn't that be funny if they inserted her into the election or whatever what if they nominate her and then you know she won't win obviously and then tara will and she will get what she rightfully deserves but until then like let's put maggie in her place yeah there was something that liz liz had the camera in her in her hand when she was talking to the group and i was like before we find out what she does with those photos like in my head i was like this is the worst that could possibly happen with the photos at this point in time was that like a group of people would just talk about them now that would make it into like like in real life versus like being posted on Instagram and on Facebook and having all your kids all, all the kids oh, comment on them and stuff like and that. Shit. Um that was yeah, but like when, when we I was in high, high school, school no, yeah. 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 Yeah, no. That was like And it was gonna like live on forever on the internet, whatever. You've relied heavily on the fact that like not everyone's parents had a copy machine. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was the main thing you had going for you. Yeah. So they decided to nominate her and, and Casey's guy, Devin, is like, Isn't that isn't that cruel? Like he is the one to speak up, but they move forward with it anyway. So they have this good mom, evil mom thing still going on. Maggie is crying over cookies and milk and a photo of her dad at the kitchen table. I wanna play this clip just because it really illustrates it very well. Her mom comes in and tries to comfort her by reminding her how much they are alike, uh, Maggie and her father. But the evil mom pops out and every compliment her mom gives her is undercut by something from the evil mom. Let's play 1652 to 1744. You look like him. You've got his chins. You have his eyes. And his jeans. You have such a pretty face. People always tell fat girls they have such a pretty face. And an ugly body, right? That's not what I said, Maggie. I think you just feel better about yourself if you, you know, try to get in shape and got healthy. Just because dad died of diabetes doesn't mean I'm doomed. I know. But the doctor did say if you just lose 25 pounds, you'd be fine. I don't understand why you won't try. I did try. It doesn't work. You don't understand. I mean, obviously, the answer here is that there has to be a middle ground here. I would be interested to hear if someone feels like the voices are that. I mean, I guess that's like a they're showing us dysmorphia or something like there's there's a greater thing here that's going on. I refuse to believe it's this transparent. But I think that honestly, she's just wrestling with like two different versions of herself. I (laughs) The pain in Nikki Blonsky's voice kills me. I know. 
But like it, not the acting pain. Like I kind of just, it's like in, it's there. Like in all the Radisson videos and like everything else, she has this like, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, like, like crying soul. Like her soul's like, eh. <laughs> like what? Do you know what I mean? What is? I was like, <laughs> like what? Like that. You got it. <laughs> She's like very like her soul feels like. God, what is that movie where all the ghosts are little, like, yellow stripes that come out of the floor? <laughs> like, they're, like, they're like um, greedy little floor ghosts. Um, is it an animated movie? Yes, or? yes, yellow, and they're yellow in color. Um, anyway, she reminds me of that. Like, they're just, it's something, she, there's just something from within her that's, like, grabbing into the, like, I just... I don't know what it is. It's a torture you can't buy. She's a very conflicted woman, I feel. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's an overall earnestness to her, like, delivery and everything that she does in it's this It's hard to watch. That it's, like, almost like, you know, Jimmy Stewart? Like, it's almost like Jimmy Stewart-level earnestness that doesn't necessarily register the same way as it used to. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, she's hard to watch. She's hard. To, I'm sure no one's ever fucking compared Nikki Blonsky to I was just trying to think Stewart. of, like, that kind of cheesy, like, earnestness. Yeah. Yeah, it almost, I don't know. Like, I just feel like there's a sadness to her. It's, like, so, yeah. It's, I feel bad. I feel rough for Nikki Blonsky. What if she tweets at you? Hey, it's me, Mal. Hey, Malls. It's, it's, like, my Nikki biggest Blonsky. nightmare. The next day at school, a couple girls walk by. They're goth. And they're like, you go, Maggie. And she's like, what? And um, she, like, continues talking on to Casey. And she's like, listen, I'm grounded. It fucking sucks. Like, I'm still grounded. And, like, Casey's giving, like, the non-advice that your friends give you when you're grounded. And they're like, maybe you could talk to your mom. Yeah. Like, it's like, at a certain point, like, being grounded is something. You just can't complain about it. There's nope. fucking nothing you can do. If it was as easy as sitting down with your mom and having a rational conversation, no one would ever be grounded. Yeah. Like, just, like, if you're you're out there and you're grounded, guess what? Stop talking to people about it. Can we negotiate these terms, mom? Can you imagine going to your mom and be like, so this grounding, can we revisit this? Yeah. I think that I would try and, like, negotiate a little bit, but it's like... How long have you been grounded? Two days and like you're oppressed by this? I like never got grounded in my entire life. I mean, like I never got grounded, but like if I and was also, like had like, privileges revoked or something, like my mom would take away privileges. Yeah, no, that never really happened to me. Oh, yeah. Like my mom would just sometimes be like Sundays, no TV, like but for no reason. Oh. Like she'd just be like this year we're not watching TV on Sundays. <laughs> Or, like, she would cancel the ca- the um, the cable every summer. The last day of school, our cable box would leave our house. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, I just... And, it, like, I was such a homebody Sucks. that, like, being grounded wasn't even, like, a threat. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I didn't have anywhere to go. Yeah. I also never got in trouble like that. Yeah. Like, she was never like, you have to stay home. Yeah. Like, um, but anyway... um. I also never mouthed off like this. I I think I there was one or two 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 times. Oh, like, like if I did if bit. I did one of these that she did, I would have. I was like, I was not allowed to talk back to my mom. 
Like, there were probably a lot of things I could have done that would have been considered worse in the world. But, like, talking back to my mom, as far as I was concerned, was the worst thing I could do. Was that something that you internalized or that was just, like, you were afraid of, like... Out of out of out of respect, you didn't do it, or like you were afraid of what would have happened if you did. No, I just like your mom's like everyone's mom's a fucking psycho, and like you don't want to upset them. Like my mom would just like if my mom was mad at me, she'd be fucking mad at me. You know, like you just don't you just don't like you don't wake up you don't poke the bear. You know, like <laughs> why would I why would I be like fuck you, mom? Like why would I ever like do that? That would get me nowhere there's like there was just there like there's nothing advent there would never have been anything advantageous about me mouthing off to my mother I wouldn't have felt better about it and I would have I wouldn't have gotten anything out of it yeah so I mean have you ever been a public where someone's doing that where you see like a kid doing that yeah I heard people talk back to their mom (laughs) yeah did you ever hear anything like that I have heard kids call their mom like a fucking bitch (laughs) yeah you fucking bitch I hate you (laughs) That is iconic. It's iconic because like I couldn't imagine. I could never say that to my mom, but I've definitely seen. You know what? I do know a kid that said "suck an egg, you fucking bitch" to his mom. (laughs) (laughs) And then there was another kid at my school who was like famous for telling his mom to suck his dick. Oh my god! Like suck my dick, mom, and everyone was like. Ew! <laughs> like he totally lost the power of that moment in telling his mother to fillet him in front of his classmates. I mean, suck an egg, you fucking bitches up there too. I mean, I guess, you know, kids are creative. I feel like if you can harness that when you're young, you can. I feel like my insults to my mother, while I've earned them with age, they've become far more effective when used sparingly than they would have been if I was just verbally popping off at a young age. Oh, okay. I see that. Yeah. Smart. You playing the long game. I guess I had to. And I don't know. Maybe the game played me. So um, Maggie starts to realize when multiple kids are like, congratulations, Maggie. Um that something's up and this girl comes up I don't know which one she is which one of the five girls that looks kind of the same she looks up and one of the popular girls is like staring at her and it's like a little like it's an odd shot it's scary for the viewer oh yeah and I know it's exactly which one you're talking about come look at the bulletin boards so you know there's like a five minute scene it feels like of her making her way downstairs to the bulletin boards and sure enough she is nominated for the homecoming queen okay she's like what the fuck she's not happy about it right when she sees it and you know who thinks it's fucked up too tara tara's not happy when she sees it tara's a good person yeah yeah i mean they had the little bonding moment by the sink yeah where she was like i like that line i'm gonna use that yeah like my my boss ate it or whatever but, like, Tara also, like, from the very beginning of this, saw this and was, like, she saw it for what it was, yeah. you know? And yeah. she, while everyone else seemed to really, like, revel in it, especially the people that were supporting Tara, Tara did not enjoy this. Did you have a popular person like that who was also just, like, a good person? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there was definitely, like, a couple who were just, like, good peeps, for sure. Um And, like, I wasn't popular, but I definitely always had friends in every group, especially, like, it was always those popular kids that I was always friends with, like, the ones that were just good people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say that, like, for the most part of my life, I feel like good people have been, you know, um, 
So anyway, Maggie tells Casey that she's not sure what she wants to do. If she drops out of homecoming, Liz will win. But if she runs, Liz wins. But if Liz wins, no matter what. So basically, we should say that Tara is not Liz. But Liz is like her best friend that's like not as popular, not as good looking, is richer, but also like has more drive and a bigger heart on for Tara than Tara has herself. Um, At first, I was trying to figure out what that dynamic was. I was like, is Liz, does Liz want to be with Tara or does she want to be Tara? Yeah, I mean, like, we will find out later. I think we can just blow the spoiler off this. Um, She, you know, really wants to ride her coattails. This is the closest she'll ever get to being Tara, is to, like, basically be her hype woman. Um, And, you know, Maggie's going on and on about this to Casey, about whether she should do it, whether she shouldn't do it. And Casey goes, you know what? If you want to drop out, drop out. And she goes, I thought you would have expected more from me. And I'm like, you're fucking psycho. I mean, like, Casey's a good friend. Casey's a good friend. And, like, this is on our, you know, our fifth or sixth mental breakdown so far 20 minutes into this movie. Like, (laughs) I'm supposed to give a shit about this person? I can't believe I have another hour of my life I have to spend with her. It is. It's literally, like, this is, like, the motif of the whole movie is that she's like, I don't know if I should do it. Yeah, you know what? Maybe don't do that. It's going to be too much for you. I want, you don't have to tell me. I can do whatever I want. I can do it because I put my mind to it. I mean, I feel like they ran through through like this movie in like i it's like they both took so much time to explain this story and gosh like really dragged it out now we go to the girls bathroom and we see two girls are taking shits i guess (laughs) like there's this thing where like it's a running gag just like pull down their pants sit down on the toilet and have a fucking gab sesh like it's a regular (laughs) rolling bit in this movie that you'll see like feet under the bathroom stall and like multiple girls yelling and it's like Nah, dude, like... In and out. Yeah, like, so anyway. Um, and it's the same girls who are always parked in those, like, stalls t- taking It's the shits. same voices. But, like, that's the other thing, too, is that, like, so the, these, like, girls, one is wearing rainbow clogs with rainbow socks, and the other is wearing plaid converse. Like, yes. who are these people? Their voices don't seem to align with, like, the shoes. The shoes give me, like, oh, like, you're a 15-year-old cosplay type person, you know? But then the voices, I'm like, you sound like mature college girls. Okay. Woo! Way to go, magpie. Do you mean it like that? You just know someone nominated her as a joke. Honestly, like Maggie doesn't have enough problems. I would totally vote for Maggie, just to avoid voting for the usual suspects. I would vote for Tara, but that's like voting for Liz, and I'd sooner punch myself in the face. <laughs> yeah, you think Tara would get tired of dragging Liz around on her coattails? Yeah. <laughs> like Maggie doesn't have enough problems. <laughs> I know, I thinking, it's like, like the mom's that might be my again. favorite. No, 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 no. I'm, the girl said that in the bathroom. Oh, oh yeah. They nominated Maggie. Like Maggie doesn't have enough problems. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's iconic. It's iconic. I think that line's probably one of my favorite lines in the movie. Like, do they all also know that her dad, you know, you know, her situation with her dad? Like, Probably. Yeah. But, like, either, even if they don't, like, she does have a lot of problems. I think that's clear for the <laughs> naked eye that she struggles. So she gets in a fight with her mom in the kitchen about diets and stuff like that. And right. she's like, fuck it, I'm going to get ice cream. So she walks to the ice cream place with a little bee in her bonnet. And um, she asked to taste the slender strawberry. 
what's up slender so she goes why bother with the low cow darling you made it through the big door with the little bell up oh, evil mom is the ice cream lady and like it is interesting because she yells back and forth with oh like God, evil yeah. mom a lot and there's no cl- like clarity in whether or not she's actually yelling to the ice cream lady right like how'd she, she get her ice cream she did like order it but she's right. ordering she puts in her order to like evil mom but it's like if that was really the ice cream person then that's a lot of energy to come out openly with the ice cream person do you know who she reminds me of what the woman who got um who called the police on a couple in santa monica because she was at mainland mainland pokey oh yeah and they were like like kind of holding hands and like i think he kissed her on the cheek in line and she was like oh she's like these fucking disgusting people are having sex they're having sex like, I'm trying to get my dinner. And she, like, starts to throw this fit. And, like, it kind of seems like she's just doing it to get a free meal. Oh, yeah. And, like, as time goes on, she's, like, more and more graphic about it. She's, like, he he was showing his dick to me. And everyone there's <laughs> like, no, he wasn't. And he's, like, I'm on a date with my girlfriend. And, like, we're just... He's like, I did. he's like, we were holding hands. And she's like, you were having sex. I'm calling the police. So <laughs> I've never heard of this. It's like, it's a great clip. And it has like a pretty crazy story behind it where apparently this woman was ID'd as like this woman who took place in a, um, a video game, like long term video game student project where she apparently got her brain like warped by the video game she Whoa. was playing i'm not laughing i'm uncomfortable but like she our emotions show up in in weird ways yeah, yeah. but like i mean who I knows also at- if that mainland pokey lady was yeah. the same woman but yeah. like i was like oh that would make sense like yeah. if you're fucking glitching your simulation right now that's you need to do a start over on that Pokey's so expensive it is expensive. <laughs> Tara and Liz are studying together, and Liz is trying to set them up at some rich people weekend getaway to see her aunt or something. Um, and um, they're looking at these college pamphlets or whatever. And Tara's a little bit like, or Liz is a little bit like, why are you looking at those, Tara? And Tara's like, oh, I don't know. I'm just, like, interested in college. And, like, at the time, this is, like, a non-scene. It makes no sense. There's yeah. a little bit of a bridge here later that, like, helps out. But it's kind of a non-scene. So at the ice cream store, Maggie's about to leave, and this girl named Claire, who I wrote, clearly won this part in a radio contest. Like she is, oh, like what's her deal? Like I don't <laughs> I wrote know. deep middle part. Yeah, I don't deep. know. I don't know what her deal is. Like she looks like Isaac Hansen, and she also was like uncommitted to her lines in every way. Like I'm telling you, she won this. <laughs> They Isaac, just didn't Isaac help. They didn't help her at all. <laughs> like they literally were like, I don't know. Like hit her with a powder puff. Like she's the girl from Kiss One Away. Like, yeah. Like I don't know. It just Isaac Hansen. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like yeah, they no, just kind of sent her in, and I know that she's supposed to be another one of the quote unquote underdogs. I just feel like they did her dirty, this actress, because like she also wasn't bringing a lot. So like it was yeah. just a double unfortunate. Yeah. Um, but. She tells Maggie she's excited she's running for homecoming. Maggie says she's not. And Claire says that sucks because she was actually looking forward to homecoming this year. Maggie eats her ice cream on her bed and the evil mom pops up and tells her that she has a great subject for one of her college application essays. Um, And I said, I wrote in my notes, I lit up inside when I read the subtitles with this setup, okay? (laughs) 
I have a great subject for one of your college applications. Uh, sorry, I have a great subject for one of your uh, college application essays. Which personal characteristic defines you the most? Maggie puts on her headphones and shovels ice cream into her mouth, and then evil mom goes, "There's my answer." Ooh. Now, I don't mind it. I don't mind what they did here. I think there could have been a lot of like fun jokes for what yeah. college application was, but I think that was pretty good. So she goes, "So what? You're a loser, Maggie. You're a loser." Boop. Like, the evil mom's, like, on one yeah. in this scene. And evil mom does have a couple moments where I'm, like, enough. Yeah. Like, no, even I was, like, enough. Yeah. I'm like, Jesus. Like, are you trying to get this girl to harm herself? Like, and I know that, obviously, if this is the other side of her brain, the answer is probably, fuck yes, it is. But, like, I, I mean, there's no reason why I, myself, as a viewer, should want to. Like- I mean, I get, I get that. And I also think that it's, like, it's it's also like a t- tough judge to determine like your uncomfortability is important because that is how much somebody might berate themselves. Oh yeah, and of like course. someone else who hasn't lived that part of their life doing something like that would need to see that because it's just like yeah, they beat up on themselves as much as anything that you could do. Right, and I, I want that's probably what they're tr- they're actually what they're trying to portray. But I like w- at what point. As a storyteller, do you cut something like that off? Like, when does it go overboard? I think that, like, now this would have never gone on this long. I think that someone would be like, you don't have to say fat 20 times for someone to, like, get it. You know, the audience, like, people kind of, like, I recoiled every time I heard a little bit. I was like, oof, like, I don't like that. There was one more confrontation that happens toward the end that I was like, I hope Nikki Blonsky was on set while she was filming this. Right. (laughs) Well, Yeah. So I hope she like executive produced this movie and got some coin. I know. Is what I really hope. So Maggie takes off her headphones and she looks up at her thin inspiration wall while evil mom is there. And she notices that one of the girls has a crown on and it dawns on her crowns. So the next day at school, we see her hanging up her homecoming poster with a crown on it. And this makes her seem so incredibly simple to me. I know. That like she was like, oh, that skinny girl on the wall is wearing a crown. I too could wear a crown. Like, <laughs> what I'm was your SAT that. score, Maggie? Like, did, did you, you not know about the crown? The crown is like kind of the whole part of being homecoming queen. Yeah. Like, did the crown occur to you as a secondary? Like, oh, I could win that. She was focusing too much on the homecoming part, and not enough on the queen, and that's when it hit her. Yeah, Casey says she doesn't understand why she's putting herself through all this, and she says that she's tired of not doing anything. If she walks in a class, people judge her. Most of the time, she feels worthless, and for once, she wants to walk into a room and not feel that way. Casey tells her that she'll be her campaign manager, and when she says that, I know she means it. Maggie and Casey meet with the principal for some reason to talk about this. Now, I at first was like, um... Why does she have to go to the principal's office for being nominated? I know. I was like, oh, shit. But then we do realize that there are some, you know, when you're falsely nominated for homecoming queen, turns out that there is some procedures that need to be taken care of. I'm- Let's play um, 2454 to 2709. I hear there may be certain irregularities in this upcoming election for homecoming queen. Miss Baker, apparently you haven't followed the usual procedure for getting on the ballot. I know I'm not exactly the traditional candidate for homecoming queen, but I think I deserve the same chance as anybody else. Miss Gabriel, she's making a mockery of the whole election process. Anyone intending to run for homecoming queen must submit at least 150 signatures in order to get on the ballot. You've made that clear, Liz. That's why we're here. Just give me until Friday and I'll get all the signatures. Please, Miss Gabriel, just don't take me off the ballot. I'm still unclear on how you got on the ballot in the first place. 
I don't know. Probably some moron just trying to be clever. All right. You remain on the ballot. Provided you can get 150 signatures by Friday. That'll be all. So, should we start with the socially inadequate or the socially inept? Maggie, people can't sign if you don't ask them. I don't know how. I'm not used to talking to anybody else but you. All right, Baker, kick it up. No, dude, well, check this where out. Where do I start? I called my dad, my mom said yes. He doesn't want to be the bad guy, so he goes along with it. So, you know, as long as they never speak, I'm golden. Yeah. Um, Go over and ask him. Hey, Jared. What's up? I'm doing this thing. I'm kind of running for homecoming queen, and I need 150 signatures to get on the ballot. Maggie for homecoming queen, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Wait, come on. Wait, why not? Come on. Hand it over. Thank you so much for listening to Season 4 of Mother May I Sleep With Podcast. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.